The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever, your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. Where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com. And for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. If you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com and you'll see two videos at the top of the screen. The one on the left side is a Bradley show from yesterday, so if you missed that and you want to catch that, you can do so up until 3 p.m. He is broadcasting live out of uh, California, different places and stuff there. Uh, and uh, I heard from our friend Tony Roman yesterday, uh, checking in, and I said, dude, we set up several times. We've got to do some shows together, get you back on the air, let people know what's going on there, what you're involved in. And uh, 
uh, somehow he's just a really, really busy guy. And I, I get that. I know what that's like. So um, we'll, we'll see what happened. But I, my understanding is they were supposed to hook up yesterday. I'm assuming to eat there. And if there's a place where if that's if I'm envious of something, that would be something. You guys remember when I showed you the food that uh, comes from Tony's restaurant, his mom's own recipe straight out of the old country there uh, in Italy. And uh, I remember looking at that, just going over those pictures the night before, just my stomach growling. It was so good looking. And then when Tony, uh, not with Tony, when Bradley and his family went there, uh, he said, dude, superior service. Um, the food was excellent. All of that. And I have no doubt that that's the case. So we're going to see if we can bring Tony back on. Uh, Tony is uh, an inspiration uh, in his stand against tyranny there in Huntington Beach, California, uh, against the tyrants and their mandates and edicts. Uh, and I really do appreciate Tony very much. But but Bradley, uh, you can catch that up until then. And my assumption is he's going to be on. The reason he wasn't on on Monday as you guys know, they were having all those storms and everything. It took out all the power, so he didn't have any power. Uh, so he didn't do a show on Monday. And then, of course, we had David Knight on the other day. And uh, so, yeah, here we are at the end of the week. On the right side of the page is where we're at. That's where we want to get to. <clears throat> so if you go to SonsLibertyMedia.com, click on that uh, play button on the right side of the page. You get two guys fist bumping. Click on that, blow it up whatever device you got, and then look at the bottom right-hand corner. You'll see the rumble icon. Click on that and, and uh, it'll take you over to Rumble. You can join us in the chat over there. We've got several friends over there. Good to see you guys over in Rumble chat as well as on the Facebook pages and all this other. Uh, but uh, we are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Also, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. Thank you, Mike, uh, for giving us a spot over there. Also, a number of Facebook pages that bear my name. There's some chat going on over there as well. And then um, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty, twitch.tv at Real Tim Brown, and then Twitter for whatever that's worth, the Real Tim Brow 2. Real, leave off the end of my name, put a number two there, the Real Tim Brow 2, and uh, you can get that on Twitter as well. Right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Those go out once a day between 7 and 8 Eastern time uh, every day. And then if you want our ministry email to know what we're doing in Sons of Liberty, and you get some exclusive content as well. Um, that goes out on Saturday once a week. Go to sonsoflibertyradio.com. Sign up right there on the front of the page. And finally, if you agree with our message, you'd like to help support us and, and keep us out there, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And uh, again, we really do appreciate your support uh, of us in what we're doing here. So thank you very much. Um, let me give you a couple of things here, and then we're going to get into our topic. But I, I just have, I've got several of these videos. They're so good. By the way, uh, yesterday when we had, uh, when we played the interview we had with Judge Salt at um, equippingthepersecuted.org, uh, which I hope you were challenged by. I really do. It gives you kind of different perspective when you see how uh, Christians in other parts of the world live, how they're persecuted, um, even how they're taken advantage of in the false doctrines that were taught to them that's put them in the predicament that they're in. And then you see how, you know, godly men who were also instructed wrong, they they corrected themselves, they repented. That's what that is, the change of mind. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind that produces a change of action. They go in and help those guys. What a great testimony Judd had there. And I hope you were challenged by that. I really do. Um, almost makes you, you know, if you were younger, 
and uh, it was just you. It almost makes you want to go join in with those guys and uh, and help the people in Nigeria there. At least that's what it was for me. Uh, with that said, <clears throat> we've had Malcolm Roberts on. He's an Australia senator. We had him on like, uh, oh my goodness, it's been almost a year now. I think it was March or May. Let me see. I, I made it. I made a May of 2022. We had Malcolm on. So just a couple of months from now, it'll be a year. And uh, we had him on to talk about what he was saying about bringing these criminals that are tied with this Convid 1984 stuff to justice. You know, there's no place for you to run. We already have the evidence. Now, how long justice takes to move in some big government is anybody's guess. Personally, I think if there's going to be justice, it's going to come from the people. It ain't going to come from the politicians. It ain't going to come from the people in office. Whether they're a judge or this, that, and the other, it's going to come from the people. Um, and uh, Bradley was playing the the guy where the guys from Rebel News yesterday. That was the big story, I guess, in the alternative media where they were confronting Albert Borla, uh, the CEO from Pfizer, the um, a criminal murderer. That's what he is. He knew it. He knows these shots aren't safe and effective. He knows they were causing all kinds of injuries. He knows people were dying from them. And he walks down the street with a smile on his face. I'm telling you what, if the people in that area were really awake to what these guys are doing, that guy wouldn't have the confidence to walk down the street with one or two little people beside him as little peons. Yes, they got the Swiss Army providing security there, but he's walking down the street like that. The people would have killed him in the street. If they're really awake, this guy wouldn't answer questions about a shot or any of that other stuff. Anyway, Malcolm recently came out, and though he is speaking for Australia, I think he's got an OS exit. I think that's what the, the, uh, the hashtag he's using. Uh, Malcolm <clears throat> says something that I can wholeheartedly agree with, and I think you will too. Take a listen. There's plenty of discussion about the World Health Organization's proposed pandemic treaty and changes to international health regulations. In short, the proposal is a dystopian nightmare. The World Health Organization, the WHO, is demanding the power to dictate Australian state and federal health policy, including ordering compulsory vaccination, lockdowns, closures of borders and businesses, and worst of all, detention of anyone not complying with the latest vaccine mandate and forced medical procedures. Under its arbitrary rules, WHO can order a company to stop making drugs. The catastrophic and murderous ivermectin ban is one example of how this will be used. Under these changes, Australian health authorities would report to the WHO, not the Australian Parliament, ceding our national sovereignty to the UN's WHO, killing accountability. Australia will have to comply with every WHO dictate or face crippling export and money market sanctions. The amendments even remove WHO's overarching principle of protecting the dignity, human rights and fundamental freedoms of persons and replaces it with a meaningless equity statement. This reflects the intended use of these amendments to act contrary to human dignity, contrary to human rights and contrary to fundamental freedoms. This power grab is being fine-tuned now in meetings behind closed doors and will be voted on at the World Health Assembly in May 2024. If passed, both houses of the Australian Parliament will still need to ratify the changes. Yet given the nature of the globalist puppets in power in Canberra's political parties, this outcome would likely be a foregone conclusion. 
Included in the current proposal are tens of billions of dollars to pay for pandemic preparedness in Africa, as well as giving WHO the ability to force medical companies to make drugs and devices and give them to African nations in a clear bribe to overcome Africa's reluctance to cede their authority to WHO. The Africans stopped the previous vote, so now the UN's trying to buy African votes. This is communist policy, and everyday Australians will have to pay for it. One Nation calls on the Albanese government to not sign away Australian sovereignty to unelected, unrepresentative foreign bureaucrats responsible for millions of deaths globally. My staff team and I led opposition in the Senate to the cash ban bill that Liberal Nationals and Labor had pushed through the House of Representatives. Uniting with grassroots members of the Labor and Liberal parties, we created so much political pressure that both these globalist parties were forced to drop the cash ban bill. Together, we can defeat the criminal UNWHO, reject the World Health Organization's grab for dictator powers, and while we're at it, withdraw from the WHO and withdraw from the UN entirely. Come on, I'll brother. Exit. Preach oh, that God, stuff, Malcolm. I... <clears throat> Preach that stuff. Get us out of the who and get us out of the UN. I I'm going to tell you, I don't care who your politician is, you're behind. And I've already told you, you shouldn't be following those guys anyway. They aren't leaders. The majority of them are traitors against us. I don't care who it is. If anybody votes to support the UN or the WHO with money, with their mouth, with legislation, a treaty or any of that, they are a traitor to you. They are your enemy, your domestic enemy in your country, whether it's Australia or the United States. They are. Let it be said that's what they are. They continue to support the beast system. That's, who, that's what they support. The lies that the UN is somehow good for the people, that we can come together and sing kumbaya under communist, socialist. And, and look, we've got them in our country too. The United States has become a Marxist, uh, and I'm saying these, the United States as what it exists now, has become the Marxist experiment. And don't forget, this all started coming in under Lincoln. Who the Mockingbird media, the movies, Donald Trump and the like, and Republican Party have told you was the greatest president ever. Not true. Not true at all. In fact, if you're questioning me on that, I would point you over into Thomas DiLorenzo's work. Excellent work. Lots of sources, original sources and such. And you'll see where all that's beginning. All right. So that's Malcolm Roberts. Amen, Malcolm. Support you 100% in that, bro. I mean, we, we really do. Now, <clears throat> if you heard yesterday, I'm going to get these news items out of the way, and then we're going to get to our topic. If you heard yesterday, um, or maybe it was the day before, the, uh, the chick out of uh, New Zealand. Jacinda Arden has said she is not going to run for re-election. And here was her statement. And some rare good news. And this is uh, from Tucker Carlson. Jacinda Ardern, Ardern, that's the lady with the big teeth who tormented her citizens, has just announced she's leaving Snaggle office. Tooth. Here she was moments ago. Announcing that I will not be seeking re-election. And then my term as prime minister will conclude no later than the 7th of February. Most authoritarian okay, leader that Okay, so I want to cut that off, okay? 
So you see her statement, and I'll have this video up so you can watch the rest of you know his little report there, whatever. What Jacinda didn't see, and I'm going to have to pause this here. What Jacinda didn't see, well, she's crying. because she, she really wants to spend a lot more time with her media, her accredited media, by the way. What she didn't see was at the time she made the announcement, the response of the people that she has terrorized, that she has been an accessory to murder on, she didn't see their reaction. I want you guys to see this. This is glorious for me. Okay? Here it is. And, and for you guys who are on Red State Talk Radio, you won't be able to see it, but you're going to hear the people. Okay? Here it is. And so today I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election. And that my term as Prime Minister will conclude no later than the 7th of February. Now, we can only be so happy if, if, uh, if we could rid ourselves of the federal government, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, any of these uh, wannabe representatives who are who are utilizing their authority and their position against us here in America. We could only be so fortunate for such a thing to happen. But in our country, we're going to have to dissolve it. Even as Thomas Jefferson said in the Declaration of Independence. I want to tell you what. I had to watch I watched that that little clip right there. I watched it four or five times yesterday. Because I thought the people are excited she's not going to seek re-election. But the disconnect is they're going to get somebody just like her in that office. Just like her. See, they haven't learned <clears throat> to self-govern and oppose that which is opposed to God. Well, Tim, don't you know Romans 13 says you're supposed to submit to the authorities because no authority is given that by God. I want to ask you something. In what ways did Jesus submit to the authority? Let's go back to his trial before the Sanhedrin. Did he say anything? Nope, stood there. The Bible says in Isaiah, he prophesied to him that he'd be like a lamb before his, his shearers. He would be silent. And he was silent until the high priest put him under oath and charged him. Tell us, are you the son of God or are you not? And he says, it's as you say. That's the only words uttered out of his mouth. Now, why was that? It's because Christ didn't come to obliterate the Sanhedrin in the way or the Romans in the way the Jews expected him to do. He came to give his life as a ransom for his people. That's why he was silent. That's why he went. That's why he told his disciples, don't be discouraged. Don't be frightened. Any of this, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over to the, 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 the Sanhedrin. I'm going to be flogged. Uh, I'm going to, they're going to crucify me. I'm going to be buried. But the third day I'm going to rise again. And his disciples didn't get it the whole time he's going there. Nor when he got there. So we have these kinds of things going on. And the people are going to have to wake up to the fact that, uh, you know, this is going on. Now, this is a, this was something out the other day. And I didn't get a chance to grab the video, but, <clears throat> and I'm not going to play the video, but, 
This came, I think, in a report from, uh, I want to say the chick's from New Zealand or Australia. Maria Z. I, I don't watch her show, but um, I'm thinking that's where she's from. Anyway, this was some of the, um, what's going on at the, some of the airports? They're able to pick those guys up who've taken these shots on some kind of uh, monitor. <laughs> I don't know what you would call this. It's not like, it kind of looks like infrared, but it's not. They're able to see who has taken the COVID, the certificate of vaccine ID, and who's not. This is, I'm not going to play the thing, but you guys who are seeing the screen, this is what they're seeing of those who vaccinated. In fact, they're saying that a lot of this um, is set up and in their heads and in their arms where they took the shot, it's reflecting light. You see the little light parts here. Uh, for those of you who are watching, see how the light parts here are showing up in their, their heads and their foreheads. I, but, but all this pink here that you're seeing is apparently where the shot has got into their bodies. Now, <clears throat> with that said, oh, I, I missed, I don't know why. Okay, here it is. This is, this is one I want you to pick up on. Because while that does a certain thing, listen, some of the stuff coming out of the World Economic Forum this week is just, <laughs> you wonder, like, do you guys live in the world that we live in? Yes, they do. Unfortunately, they do live in this world. Listen to this. This is, um, your thoughts are not your own. With smart headbands, hats, earbuds, and tattoos, listen to this. We're not talking about implanted devices of the future. I'm talking about wearable devices that are like Fitbits for your brain. It used to be that there was very little we could tell from EEG activity. But already, using consumer wearable devices, these are headbands, uh, hats that have sensors that can pick up your brainwave activity, earbuds, headphones, tiny tattoos that you can wear behind your ear. We can pick up emotional states like, are you happy or sad or angry? We can pick up and decode faces that you're seeing in your mind. Simple shapes, numbers, your PIN number, to your bank account. Ooh. Ooh. Now, who wants to go along with such a thing? Seriously, who wants to go along with that? How many of you guys want Klaus Schwab, Noah Harari, his sodomite, quote-unquote, husband, this chick, I don't even know who this chick's name is, or anybody else in the world tapping into your mind? How many of you guys think that's a great thing? If you think that's a great thing, um, either repent or keep listening. Okay? This is the height of totalitarianism. And here's the thing. Consumer wearable products. In other words, you're going to pay. You're not only, you think it's a great technology. And you're going to pay for your own enslavement for your own surveillance, you're going to pay for it. You are. Did you hear? I mean, that's what she's saying. Consumer, consumer wearable devices. With that said, here's another one. 
Um, the same chick talking about decoding complex thinking and adopting implanted brain technology. I, it, it amazed me the other day, somebody had written in the Telegram group, where we are not in Telegram group, on, on my Rumble feed, the, when I put up the Elon Musk is a fraud, and look, Elon Musk, we've had some articles on him. He said some good things, some right things, just like Donald Trump did. But what is his agenda that he's pushing forward? See, that's the issue. What is the agenda he's pushing for? Well, he's pushing this stuff. Now, he's hiding it just like they are under this banner of what can be done for good. But they've already told you what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to hack you. They're going to try to control you. They're going to try to manipulate you. That's what's really going on. Check out what she has now, to say I'm, here. I am a futurist. I'm not a perfect predictor of well, the future, but I'll give you my one-year, five-year tenure. So focusing in the world of wearable technology as opposed to implanted technology. And I do believe that within many of our lifetimes, we'll see healthy people using implanted brain technology as well. Then we can decode complex thought. But as healthy people in a widespread way start to have their brainwave data collected, the insights that we can gain through pattern recognition will exponentially increase and pretty quickly. So five years from now, what we can actually decode will be massively increased from where we are today simply because we'll have a much greater data set from which we can actually create those correlations. Again, that's frightening but promising. So you have recognition memory signals that are pre-conscious and subconscious, and this is part of why it's been used, for example, by governments to interrogate criminals. Do you recognize this potential co-conspirator? Do you recognize yeah. um, you know, this murder weapon? Those pre-conscious signals, like what we call the P300 wave or the N400 wave, these are before you even consciously process information. So you could prime it with a number and then see if a person recognizes it. Um, and you can do it without them realizing that that's what you're doing. So will all of our passwords be cracked first by this or quantum computing? Hard to tell. All right. <laughs> I think uh, we're moving past passwords pretty, pretty quickly. And I it saw it's actually up. really good for passwords. Neural signatures are unique. We can use it as a biometric for passwords. Okay. All right. So you see what they're trying to do. These people have some kind of complex that thinks they're better than you and I. They bleed the same color of blood we do. They die in the same ways we do. And yet they're trying to lord it over us. They're tyrants. Everyone, this lady isn't even a representative of a country, as far as I know. And here's what they're proposing. Don't think they're not thinking through this. And I got one last one. Now, guys on the radio, <clears throat> I'm going to pause during it because it is in German. You guys on the video platforms are going to see this, and then we're going to hit our topic today, okay? This guy, I don't even know his name. If somebody can give me his name, I'll, I'll put it on the, um, on, I'll, I'll, I'll say what his name is. This guy is out of Germany, and I want you to listen to what he has to say as he addresses the German parliament here. Um, about their history. Here it is. This is schon ein interessant. Okay, so <clears throat> as we're going, he starts out and he says, it's an interesting approach you're taking here. And he's talking about what's going on in Ukraine and the Russian buildup there uh, and such. And he says, an interesting approach you're taking here, German tanks against Russia in Ukraine. Deutsche Panzer gegen Russland in der Ukraine. Das haben schon ihre Groß... And then he says, by the way, your grandfathers have already tried to do it then with the Malinks and the 
Banderas. And what is the result? Vetter versucht übrigens damals auch schon mit den Melnix und Banderas. Und was ist das Ergebnis? And you hear the people, they're getting outraged at what he's saying, but he's just reminding them of what's taken place in the past. And he goes on and he says, untold suffering, millions of deaths on both sides, and in the end, Russian tanks are here. Unsägliches Leid, zig Millionen Tote auf beiden Seiten und am Ende russische Panzer hier in Berlin. In Berlin, the Russian tanks are in Berlin and two of them are standing here in front of the Bundestag. Und zwei davon stehen hier vorne und sie sollten jeden Morgen and you should pass them every morning and remember sich daran erinnern. So what he's doing is <clears throat> he's reminding them, hey guys, we've been down this road before. And I'll guarantee you the people who are raising the stink there, one, they're either ignorant of history or they're on the World Economic Forum, whatever, kind of leaders list. They're in with that crowd. They're one or the other. Those are the people who are making the state. Now, I say all that to say this. If we're going to fight against the tyranny here in this country, or in your country, wherever you may, if you're listening from India or England or Spain or France or South America, wherever you're at, if you're going to fight against tyranny, I'm going to say the prerequisite to that is to bow the knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells you you're already going to, you're going to do it one way or the other. You're going to do it here, or you're going to do it out there in eternity. The Bible tells us that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is a Lord. That means he's master, he's ruler, to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue's going to do it. All of you who may mock me, you may make fun of me, or you don't agree with me, or whatever, you're going to do it too. You are. You're going to do it. First thing is to recognize the Creator's position as Master and Lord, that He dictates the rules of the game. He dictates the law. That's why we call Him God. He is the lawgiver. Not just the Creator, He's the lawgiver. That's what that entails. God is not His name. That is what He is. And as a result of that, we have to all get on, start getting on the same page. Okay? So here's the thing. I want to go here because in recent days, you know, here at the Sons of Liberty, and I'm not calling any names, and this isn't directed at any certain person because all of us need to understand this. When I was a young Christian, one of the things that I came across was we would have people come into the church that I was at who led, quote unquote, praise and worship. I, I don't Maybe I'm missing something here, but that's sort of a modern phenomenon. Praise is just the fruit of our lips, isn't that what the writer of um, the uh, of Hebrews says? The fruit of our lips is the sacrifice of praise, right? So that's what praise is. It's not some little session where some guy plays music till you go into like some altered state or something. That's not what it is. Praise is giving forth thanksgiving to God for all he has done, for all he is doing, for who he is, for his characteristics, all of that. Okay? That's what praise is. Worship. What is worship? Well, worship is the acknowledgement of who God is, is giving him glory. And the idea of giving him glory is to give weight to who he is 
and what he has said and show forth it is real. In other words, I love what uh, a pastor that I had before the church we were at, we've had him on the show before, Michael Ware. I love what he, what he talked about, you know, giving, giving weight to that. We're showing forth that we believe what God has said, we are living it, and we're experiencing the fruit of that. And one of the things he says, he says, I know the Bible's true because when it said not to do these things and I did them, I experienced the very results it said to do. And then when I repented and I started doing what God said, I experienced the very results he said I would experience. The very things. So it's not without a testimony there, okay? So there are people who get upset with other people. Some, you know, many times brothers and sisters do this. This is why this is in the scripture. This is why it's so important. Sometimes it's not brothers and sisters. And I'm talking about brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. That's what I'm talking about here. But this comes from Matthew 18. One of the things that I found when I, when I went to church and other churches that I visited, they'd have these praise and worship guys and some guys playing some soft music. I wish I could do that here. Just play some, some of that little you know, soft, go to sleep kind of music. Because I, I believe when you go in and you're singing, you're going to hear the message of the Word of God. You ought to wake people up. It ought to be like a like a battle march. That's what your hymns, that's what your psalms ought to be. It ought to be exciting, like you're going to battle. I mean, you are worshiping the King of Kings. Do you worship him? There is Lord Jesus. Is that how you sing when you gather with the people of God? Hmm? Isn't the King worthy of more than that? Yeah, he is. He is. So these guys would come in, and in the middle of they're playing their little soft music and stuff like that. They'll say, well, you know, the Bible says where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. And it always struck me, even as a young believer, I mean, I didn't know anything. I said, well, what about when I'm at home by myself? Is he in my midst there, or do I have to have somebody else there? No, he's there in your midst, too, if you're a believer. But the passage isn't even talking about what these guys these biblically illiterate, by the way, the guys, if you go in the Old Testament, uh, the guys who were leading the songs and stuff, they knew the scriptures, the, the priests, and they, they played the answer. They knew the scriptures. They were the ones who brought forth the songs that were to be sung because they knew the scriptures. They weren't just some guy who liked music and could play music. No, no, no. They knew the truth, and that's what they led the people in. So let's go to Matthew 18 because that's where that comes from, and let's look at the context because I'm going to tell you something. We're coming up on a time, guys. We need one another. We need the Lord, and we need one another. And if you're a guy who says, well, I just got Jesus, and I'm out here on my own, and I've got enough. Yeah, I agree with that. But God has not set things in such a manner as to be a Lone Ranger Christian out here all by yourself. He just hasn't set it up that way. If he did... He wouldn't say, I've given gifts to the church, Ephesians chapter 4. He wouldn't talk about being reconciled to one another, loving one another. Paul admonishing the Corinthians like it, it, when they come to the, the, their love feast and to the Lord's table to, to wait on one another. They are there together. We are a body. If you're in the Lord Jesus, you're a part of that body. Okay, You are a part of that body. And how many of you would function well with the loss of a leg, a loss of an arm? You could function, but not at the capacity you would with everything working properly. 
Same thing when it goes to internal organs, you know, your eyes, any of this kind of stuff. We're a part of a body to accomplish a particular task, to be the hands and feet of Jesus here on the earth. That's what we're here to be, okay? So Matthew 18 starts this way. I'm going to cover this first part kind of quick, just to give you the context of what's going on. And the reason I'm doing this is we need to learn to reconcile with one another, brothers and sisters. We've got to learn to reconcile with one another, and it doesn't come by telling everybody else about the problem you're having with someone else. It doesn't. That doesn't solve the problem. That, is, that ends up being gossip, okay? You need to go to your brother or your sister who's offended you. So here's how it starts. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What do little children do? Well, they're dependent upon mom and dad. They can't care for themselves. I mean, they can do, as they grow, they can do certain little things for themselves, which is good. That's, that starts that process of maturity, right? That's a good thing. But they believe mom and dad. Whatever mom and dad put into them, they're believing it. This is why it's so important. Deuteronomy 6 is practiced by parents. You are the instructor. You are the educator. You are the moral compass. You are God to them. You're not God, but you are God to them. And this is why God said that you're to be the one to instruct them. Point them the ways they should go. Have them in your hearts first, the commands of God, and then pass them on to your children. And so he says this, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Remember, uh, previously the disciples had tried to keep the children away from Jesus, and Jesus is like, let those guys go. Don't cause the little ones to stumble. Right? Because it's, it's better for you to go take a millstone, wrap it around your, take a rope and wrap it around your neck, throw yourself in the sea than to cause one of them to stumble. And then he goes, but whoso shall offended one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Yep. That's exactly right. Tim, that's not very much like Jesus. Jesus is the one who just said it. He's the one who just said it. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man. Now, woes are judgments, okay? Woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off, and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven, for the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Now, I don't think he's saying, hey, you know, if, if you're prone to stealing, you need to go cut your hand off. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying you get away as far from whatever is tempting you to violate the law of God, you get as far away from it as you can. And you guys ever seen the movie Fireproof and uh, Kirk Cameron's character? You know, he's finally confronted with his issue of pornography. And he's just finding it such a battle. And he's like, why is this so hard? It's just this over here. 
And he ends up and it gets, I mean, he gets a little radical and he has to go out there and beat his computer up and throw it in the trash so that he won't go back to that. Now, that wouldn't stop him from buying another computer. I get it. But you see the kind of deal that he's dealing with. He's getting rid of whatever it is that's causing him to stumble. So that's what Jesus is talking about. And this leads up to all of what we're going to talk about here today. Jesus continues, verse 12. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so, be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of, uh, of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, and go and tell him his fault, between thee and him alone, catch that, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Now listen to me, friends. We're in, we're in desperate times here. And I can speak that here in America because I, I see what goes on. But if you're listening from another part, of the country, uh, another part of the world, you're probably seeing it in your country too. Okay? You're probably seeing it in your country too. And what does he say here? He leads out of this thing about children. All right? He leads out of this issue about putting sin away from you, those things that cause you to stumble. And if you're stumbling, you're exemplifying that before the little ones, which cause them to stumble. And then he brings this up. If your brother trespass against you. Some translations, I think, include the word sin. If your brother sins against you. If he's offended you. And I'm not talking about he's offended you by using the wrong pronouns or something, something like that, which they're not really wrong pronouns. Anyway, you get the point. If they have harmed you, if they have spoken evil of you, if they have attacked you, you know, unrighteously, without any cause, what does he say to do? Go pick out your friends and tell them how bad this guy was and what he did to you. Is that what he says to do? No, that's not what he says to do at all. It says you are to go to your brother. Just make sure we, we got this clear. These are the words of Jesus. These aren't Tim's words, and they're in the context. If your brother trespass against thee, go and tell him. Not everybody else. Not Facebook. Not television. Not your church. Go tell him alone. Why? How many of you, you say, well, it was done. It was done publicly. Okay. That's fine. What does it tell you to do? Go, go to him alone. Wouldn't you want somebody, if you had sinned against somebody, whether purposefully or you didn't even know you did it, wouldn't you want them to approach you quietly, not try to humiliate you? Yeah, they may have humiliated you out there. Or you may have humiliated them in the public or among friends or something like that. But wouldn't you want them to come to you and address you and say, look, what you did was wrong out there. What you did before those people was wrong. And here's why. And you lay it out. And the Bible says, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Isn't that the purpose of going to them and trying to be reconciled? We're living in a day and age. We're going to need 
friends with us. We're going to need brothers and sisters with us. And the devil loves nothing more than to come in here and raise up our egos and raise up our pride and raise up our arrogance. And look, he does it among the most, quote-unquote, holy people there are. He does the same thing. Don't think he doesn't. He's there at work in us, to, or between us, to try to divide us between, uh, against one another. God has said he wants us reconciled to one another, just in the way, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute, that he reconciled us back to himself through his son, the Lord Jesus. So, if that doesn't work, well, Tim, I've already tried that. Uh, that doesn't work, or some people give you excuse, well, they're not going to listen to me. Okay, well, obey God anyway. You claim that you believe the word of God. Why don't you obey it? See? You see what I'm saying? If you claim that you believe God, if you claim you ought to be reconciled and all of these things, why do you not obey God when he says to do to handle things this way? And I see it all the time around me. Happens all the time. I don't know what went on with my background there. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh my goodness, I don't know what happened there. Anyway, let's click back over here. Maybe it'll fix itself, I don't know. Verse 16, so you go to him, you tell him the fault. It's your desire to be reconciled to him. If he hears you, you've won him. You can keep it between you guys. You don't have to tell anybody else. It's just something between you. And I'll tell you what, it'll build a bond between you two. It will build a bond between you two. But keep it between, keep it in the family. That's what I say to do. You don't take an open wound and stick it out in the open air. You clean it out. You put a bandage on it to protect it. That's what you do. Verse 16, here's what it says. But if he will not hear you, okay, if you didn't win, him, win your brother by going to him alone, then you take with thee one or two more. Why is that? Because this is already established in the Old Testament. It's all throughout the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament several times, too. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter is established. So he says, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Jesus is just simply quoting the law that he gave. He's not deviated from the law. He didn't do away with the law. He's establishing the law. Or I should say, reestablishing it, because they've forgotten it. And if he shall neglect to hear them, okay, you're coming to him, you're coming to this brother, you're not doing it out in public, you're doing it privately, you're doing it alone. Now you've got two or three witnesses that are coming with you. And if the brother will not hear you, then you tell it to the assembly, or you tell it to the church, the ecclesia, the ecclesia, however you want to say it. The people of God, that's who you tell it to. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. You consider this guy, and I don't know, okay, that's, I see, now the video is going again. You're going to see the uh, thing there. But what you're going to see is, is you're going to treat this guy as though he's an unbeliever. That's what he's really saying. A publican was a tax collector, by the way. Today, we might call them CPAs and such, I don't know, or IRS agents. The heathen was obviously the person who was outside the covenant people of God, who did not have the law of God, and they did not have 
the community of the people of God, the church, as it were, that Stephen says existed even in the wilderness and was Old Testament Israel, by the way. Yep, it was. Galatians chapter 6. Go and read it. Acts chapter 7. So you're to tell it to the church. And the church is to what we call excommunicate them. It's to cut them off. It's what Paul referenced when he spoke there in, was it 1 Corinthians chapter 6, about the man who is having sexual relations with his father's wife. It's not the guy's mother, it's his like stepmom. And the Bible tells us that the Corinthians were puffed up about it. It indicates to me that the Corinthians were pushing a false kind of grace. They had all kinds of spiritual problems. There's no question about that. But they were basically saying, see how the grace of God covers this man's sin? We know he's messed around with his dad's wife, but see the grace of God? Now, how twisted is that from what the scriptures teach us? Well, it's real twisted. In fact, Paul says you skip this whole process here, and because it's out in the open and everybody knows it, you take, when you gather together, I'm going to be there in your midst, you kick this guy out, so that his flesh might be destroyed, that his soul might be saved. Let him see that by doing what he's doing, the people of God aren't going to stand for it. We're going to kick him out. We're going to turn him over to Satan to destroy his flesh, that his soul might be saved. Well, that sounds pretty harsh. That doesn't say very loving. Well, if you have a poison in your food, in your drink or whatever, are you going to drink it if you know it's there? No. What are you going to do? You're going to go pour that out, and you're going to put something clean in there, right? Same thing's true here. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, as Jesus said. Okay? Now, here's the catch. Here's the part where everybody... Okay, so you see the two or more gathered in my name, kind of... Okay, so here's, here's what he says. This is where it comes up. We're down to verse 18. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There is a context. What is the context, class? <laughs> the context is what you are doing with the sinning brother. That's your binding, that's your loosing. That's what you're doing. This is not a thing you walk up to a building and say, I bind you, devil, and blah, blah, blah. You see these people doing this stuff, and I'm just going like, what? And they'll point to this passage. This is not what that's saying. Okay? If you stand on the side here on earth, remember we pray, your kingdom, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? That's part of what Jesus' model prayer for us is. We need to keep that in mind. We want the will of God done here on earth just as much as it's done perfectly in heaven. That's what we desire. That's what we ask for that his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if he has laid this out, that this is how you're reconciled to one another, and we follow that, we are binding on earth what's bound in heaven. We are loosing on earth what he has loosed in heaven. We're his hands and feet, if, as it were, here on earth doing those things. So that's the context of what that is. And then he goes on and he says this, And again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. What is the context? Two of you. 
What's the witnesses? Two or three. It's in the context. Does everybody see that? If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Is he talking about, well, you got to get with somebody to worship the Lord? Nope, that's not what he's talking about. Mm -mm. You, you got you to gotta get with two or three people in order to have a church. Nope, that ain't what he's talking about. You got to have two or three people so they can praise and worship. Nope, ain't what he's talking about. He's talking about what we call church discipline. And it begins with you and me, individuals. And it begins behind closed doors, not out in the public square. I've watched over the years how people have used Facebook to just throw people out there, brothers wrongfully accused, some of them rightfully accused, and they just throw it out there to the world. Where are you told to do that? You're not. You're not told to do that. In fact, you're sinning by doing it. And it's no wonder that the world points his finger at the people who name the name of Christ, and they act like that, and they do those kinds of things. There's no wonder they laugh at us. Well, you don't even believe what you're, what you, they can point to this. Same thing when you go over to Titus 2, and you find that if young women aren't lovers, at home, lovers, uh, lovers of husbands and children and keepers at home, that's where their energy is, and all of these things that they do, that they give others, unbelievers, a reason to blaspheme the word of God because an unbeliever can go read Titus 2 and say, well, you're not doing that. David said it when he sinned. He had given the, the nations around him a reason to blaspheme God through his sin because he didn't give glory or weight to what God had said. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? This is why it's very important. Christianity is not this here. It's not internet. It's not internet church. I understand some of you guys get some benefit from that. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad God has given us provision to where we can reach people and we can teach them. Okay? But that's not where we live. Our lives should be reflecting this in the sphere of influence that God has placed us in, whether it's in South Carolina or California or Virginia, or North Carolina, England, wherever you're at. We're to live this. Okay? I'm going to continue on just a little bit. Okay, because I, I got some other passage I want to uh, cover here. So if you want to catch the rest of that, sonsoflibertymedia.com, beforeitsnews.com, other sites that we mentioned, Bradley be with you at 3, I think. We'll see. And uh, back in the morning at 8 a.m., bright and early with Kate Shimarani. Lord willing, see you. Okay, want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And let's go back here to the passage because he continues on. There's some other uh, great text here that people just rip right out of their context. And, and you've already seen, some of you are getting what I'm talking about, because I see in some of the chat as to what's going on. But I want you to understand something. In the midst of this, if your brother hear you, that's what we started, if he's repentant. That's what that means. If he hears you and he repents, then you win your brother. You take the two or three witnesses, he hears you and he repents, you win your brother. If you have to go to the church, and the church is starting to call him out, and he repents, you win your brother. What is the goal of it? 
to make you look good, to make you look righteous and holy? Nope, because you ain't. Not in and of yourself. It is to win your brother. That's what the point is. All right, so let's go back to Matthew 18. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. That's the witnesses, and that's what he's talking about in the context. If you try to say this is anything other than that, you have left the context, you are twisting the scripture. This is not what it says, okay? Then he says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, he's hearing what Jesus is teaching. Well, because Peter wants to try to justify himself. You know how Peter is. He's a loudmouth, cursing, fisherman, you know, tough guy. That that his he he bites off more than he can chew. And Peter comes and he says, "Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? I mean, if you give me seven times, I'm going to let him go seven times. On that eighth time, boy, I'm going to pop him right in his face. I mean, that's really what he's getting at, right? He's looking for a time where he can exact his vengeance on his brother. And Jesus saying to him." I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Hmm. And you can just see Peter. Oh, seven times seventy. Okay, that's four hundred ninety. So on the four hundred ninety, what time I can deal with him? I can get my hands on him? Nope, that's not what he's saying. And he gives a parable to lay all this out. Again, this is the context, guys. He says this. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. Now, when I was a kid, we had these little books, and some of you guys may have seen them too. You can get them online still, and I think they came out with new ones. But uh, my parents used to read these to me like for bedtime stories. We'd have a devotion together, and then they would read these little arch books. I've got some of I went and bought them uh, years ago on eBay because I found them on eBay, and I thought, yeah, I want to do this with my kids. I want to pass on some of these stories. One of my favorite ones was John and the Little Lost Lamb. That was one of my favorite ones. But there was another one. It was based off of this um, parable that Jesus is going to tell. And there was this king, and the and it kind of has a, a rhyme. It's almost like a Dr. Seuss thing, except it is, bibli is biblical. And it's not silly, but he was saying, he's a king, he sits on a throne made of monkey pod wood. That was, that was how it went. So anyway, this is, the, this is the, the parable that Jesus gives. So he's got this king. He would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now this, for a servant of that day, this would have been an, a, a debt that the servant can never pay back. It was so vast, the servant couldn't pay it back. Okay? And Jesus says, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. Now, here's the question. Did the king really need that payment? Probably not. He's got more than what he needs to do. Kings usually do that. But here was the command. Sell him, sell his wife, sell his children, and sell all the stuff he's got, and give me the money. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Now, he knows he couldn't pay it all. But he's just desperate crying for mercy. Hmm. Mm. What is the whole text about? Sinning against your brother. But in this case, Jesus brings it back to the fact that there's this debt that's not paid to the king. 
And this guy knows he can't pay it, but he's begging for mercy from the king. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Ah! And you know, the guy was thrilled. This big burden's off of him. This debt that he can't pay is all of a sudden gone. He doesn't owe it anymore. But he doesn't really get the significance of what the king did for him. So he's going to have to learn a hard lesson. And what does Jesus say to him? And tie this back into what we just said. Your brother sinned against you. Okay. So this guy's been forgiven this tremendous debt. What does he do? Does he go out and tell everybody how great the, the king is who forgave him his debt? And then he goes and tries to anybody who might owe him a little bit of money. Does he try to show the same compassion? Nope. Verse 28. But the same servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. It's just, he owed him nothing. A hundred pence. It's like, try to picture in your mind, you owe somebody, the government, whatever. You owe them a million dollars that you can't pay back. You're never going to have a million dollars to pay them back with. And they forgive that debt. And you run out down the street here, and your brother owes you a dollar. And he doesn't have a dollar. He doesn't even have the old saying was a pot to you know what in, right? And you, you get him, and then you start taking him to court. And you try to get that money out of him. You want to put a lien on his house. You want to do it for a dollar. That, this would be the equivalent of what's going on here. And he laid hands on him. This is the servant who was just forgiven the debt. And took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, just like he did before the king. And besought him, saying, Have patience with me. I'll pay thee all. But he would not. He would not. This is a guy whose heart was not changed by the forgiveness of the debt. Oh, he thought he was forgiven. But boy, he didn't go and exemplify that which the king did for him, did he? And it's not a perfect illustration. It's not meant to be that way. Have patience with me, I'll pay thee all. He would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. And his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant! I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise, listen, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Let that sink in for a second. Oh, I've been forgiven. And then you're going to go around and you're going you're gonna to hold the trespasses of those who trespassing. You're going to hold that over their heads. And you're not going to follow Matthew 18. You're not going to go and confront them alone. Tell them their sin between you and them and be reconciled to them. 
Yeah. Jesus says the Father is going to do the same thing to you that he gave here in the he's going to no, nah, turn you over to the tormentors. That's what he says. I didn't say it, he did. And that's the context. So if anybody tells you any of these verses that you've heard here and you hear them thrown out all the time, call the person and say, look, um, what do you mean by that? Get them to tell you. And they say, let's walk through the, the context. It's not hard to figure out, is it? Context is king here. It, this, it just is king. If you're not staying in the context, you can rip out any verse out of the context that you want and you can say whatever you want to about it. That's not how scripture works. That's not how you and I work. You guys would not like me taking something that you said out of context. I wouldn't like it that you pulled some little phrase I say out of the context of what I'm saying. Why do we feel comfortable in doing that with God and his word? I don't know. Our ignorance? I don't know. Let me conclude with a couple of passages of scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind. Kind, one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Do you hear the echo of what we just read there in the parable of the, the wicked servant in that verse right there? Mm -hmm. Yep. Colossians 3. And here, beginning in verse 10, here's what we read. And I put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, in the center of all of this, if you notice when we went through Matthew 18, the issue is the sinning brother repents. You're there to get him to repent, to, to, to win him. This is not peanut butter and jelly kind of forgiveness. It's a, our forgiveness ought to be willing. It ought to be at the door. It ought to be ready to be given. But just like God, God says, repent. That's th those, are the, those are the terms of the deal, as it were. And above all things, Paul continues on, above all things, put on charity. That's love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Yeah, you know those two tables? Everybody has a problem with? Love fulfills that. Why? Because that's the very definition of love. Which is the bond of perfectness. Mm, the bond of perfectness. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the new man. That's what he started with in, in chapter 10. 
And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. There are many passages that talks about us being reconciled to God. These are several of them. Okay. But this one right here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. Here's what we read. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, some things are become new. Nope. He says, all things are become new. All things are become new. If you're in Christ, all, the whole world takes on a different color, if you will. It takes on a different light. You start seeing things in the world, and you start seeing things in yourself that you need to cast off. What Paul says, you throw off the old man and you put on the new man. You, you clothe yourself in the righteousness of Christ. And he says, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So what are we doing? Those of you who name the name of Christ, are you bearing the name of God in vain? That's what, this is what um, the third commandment's about. It's not about somebody saying GD or, you know, expressing Jesus in some kind of, you know, moment of exasperation or frustration. That's not what that is. It's that you're taking on the name of God. You're claiming that you're Yahweh's. You're claiming that Yeshua died for you, Jesus. I'm just covering all the bases for everybody who wants to get into particulars. You're claiming that you're his but you're acting like you don't or like you're like you're not the bible tells us that he has reconciled us god has reconciled us to himself through the death of his son and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation what is that that we go tell other sinners how they can be reconciled to god through the death of his son because we've experienced that that is our ministry. Our ministry is to reconcile, see that men are reconciled back into God by giving them the gospel, the foolish thing of the world, of preaching, right? Proclaiming. The, these are foolish to the world, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God unto salvation. Okay? Paul goes on in this passage, and he says in verse 19, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses against them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. We are those who go on behalf of the king to the people who have offended the king, and we say, here's the terms of surrender, guys. If you don't meet these terms of surrender, you're going to be destroyed. Not by us. You're going to be destroyed by God. We don't get to alter the message of that. I don't get to tell people, oh, you can have forgiveness uh, without repentance. You can have forgiveness um, and you can justify some of your sin. We don't get to do that. We're to drive people to the Christ, and to the message of the king, which is 
surrender or else. I mean, that's really what it is. Now, men, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. God was working in us, Paul is writing, and he's saying he worked in us to preach to you the gospel and to bring you to be reconciled with God through his son, the Lord Jesus. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him, that's Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So you see what the message is that he's given here. The forgiveness is at the heart of the, the Christian message. And so this is what he's given. One final one. He said, well, Tim, how do I know if I'm forgiven? How do I know that God hasn't abandoned me? I mean, I've done a lot of wicked things in my life. Yeah, a lot of us have. What's the attitude that you have? Is it one of humility? Is it one where you seek to justify certain things and to say, well, those really weren't sin, even though the Bible says they are? What's your attitude here? Well, Paul addresses this too. This comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Again, remember, Paul had written to them. Most people, most guys that I've read, would say this pa this passage of scripture he's addressing here is that the guy who was sinning with his with his dad's step with his dad's wife that he said kick out so you know his his flesh is destroyed but his soul is saved that somehow Paul sees that there was repentance there and this is what he's addressing verse seven of chapter of Second Corinthians chapter seven verse seven. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent over that. His whole point was to drive them to sorrow, but it was a godly type of sorrow, and he's going to talk about that in a second. So I rejoice the more, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry. It's not that you said, hey, we're sorry about that, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. You stopped doing what you were doing. Amen. That is the gospel message. That is the fruit of the gospel. Real repentance and fruits of repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did it not for this cause that had done the wrong, 
nor for the, his cause that had suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. Hmm. Wasn't doing it to manipulate people. He was doing it so that God might be glorified in the midst of it. Therefore, we were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. How many of you today have people in your life, maybe they're close friends, maybe they're family members, people you've loved, and they did one thing, and you let it eat at you, and you never confronted them privately to protect them, to win your brother or your sister. And you've let that eat at you, and they don't even know what's going on. And you want to go, and you want to worship God. And, and By the way, we could go back over there into, into the Gospels where Jesus said, if you come to, to worship and offer your gift, offer your gift and, this, and you realize that your brother has something against you, not that you have something against them, but you know your brother has something against you. He says, leave the gift, go be reconciled to your brother, then come back and you can give your gift. Because God's not going to be pleased with that gift that you're going to give. Reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, who have you not been reconciled with? Who have you gossiped about instead of going to the person? Let me tell you something, that drives a wedge between us and we don't need that now. We've never needed it. We certainly don't need it now. We need to be of the same mind. We need to be of the same heart. We need to show to others what, God, what we say God has shown to us. And that comes as we're willing to obey God and how he says that we reconcile ourselves with one another. If you're unwilling to do that and you want to remain in your sin and you want to let it fester in you and you want to be a poison to other people in that because you got to go tell everybody else because it's, it's all inside you, it's in your mind, it's driving you crazy, then I want to encourage you, first, you be reconciled to God and then go and be reconciled with your brother. We need that today. We have too much division over skin color, ethnicity, cultural aspects, ideology. And look, we should be of the same mind. So the ideology, we've got to come to we got to come to grips with. We've got to surrender to the king on that too. We don't need it over what might be a petty issue. Some of it might be a big issue. I'm not saying it's not a big issue, but some of them, nine times out of ten, what I hear from people are little petty issues. You could solve that real quick. Go to your brother. See if you can win them. Follow the steps. See if you can win them. And you know what I found out? I found out when you have those things and you're reconciled, you're stronger friends than you were before. Even when you were having good times together, you're stronger friends before because there's something about that reconciliation that binds you together. And that's the way it's meant to be. We're meant to be bound together. If you're a person who doesn't know the Lord Jesus, you don't even know what I'm talking about here. Look, the command of the king is the one who sent his son. And by the way, I hear a lot of people, they leave me comments. Oh, you know, the Bible is written by Freemasons. It's the by, B-U-Y, bull, B-U-L-L. -L. That's, what, that's what somebody wrote me. Oh, it's been changed. Oh, you know, there are all kinds of religions had virgins and children deaths. 
nonsense. We're going to do a show on that pretty soon too. That one's really on my heart and it's going to take me some time because I'm going to have to put a lot of stuff together because long time since I've seen all that stuff. That's not the case at all. Jesus is unique in history. He's not like Osiris. He's not like uh, some of these other people in history that people want to tie that to. He's very unique and demonstrably historic. Not just with the writings of the scriptures, which are multiple writers, multiple books mm -hmm, from different time eras. But even people outside the scriptures acknowledge Jesus was a real person and what he did. Even unbelievers did it. And the Bible tells us that God sent Jesus that he might die in the place of those who violated God's law, his moral law. If you want to find out where that is, if you don't know what those are, get you a Bible, Exodus chapter 20, 1 to 17, read them. That's the moral law of God. And he came to save sinners, not only from the consequences of violating that law, which is the wrath of God, but he also came to deliver them from the power of that sin that holds them ensnared as slaves. They claim they're free, but they're slaves of corruption. And the Bible says, here's the message. Christ came to die for sinners. He was buried. He was resurrected because God was well pleased with him. He ascended to the heaven. He sits on the throne where he will judge all men, you and me included. We're going to give an account for everything we've done in the body, both good and bad, Paul says. And the only way you can stand in the day of judgment is if you have the blood of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ that he has purchased for you. Repent today. Guys, Bradley will be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com, I guess. If not, if there's some kind of issue there, uh, we'll have an educational video up there. And uh, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., bright and early, Kate Shimrani, Lord willing, will be with you then. Talk to you then. See you.